welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community Eastside Gathering. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Got it. See, I'm so used to just like, I'm just going to walk up, pick up the mic, and it's on. Because I'm used to having my headset on, and they just go, just get up there and talk. Today, it's like, turn the mic on, Michelle. All right, I want to start a little bit where I hadn't planned to start. And I want to start by putting the lyrics to that last song up. Because I have the sense, certainly for myself, that we need to hear this this morning that we have seen God move mountains. We've seen him move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again. So when I see those lyrics, what I see is a dark place for some people. What I see is a place of uncertainty and a place of of a lack of clarity. And I think it's important for us to simply today remember Remember that we have seen him move, that we have seen him move mountains. But the key here is that I'm in this place where I have to believe that you'll do it again. I've seen it, but I need to believe that you'll do it again. He's made a way for some of us out of no way. But right now, we have to believe that he's going to do it again. We have to believe that he's going to do it again. So here's what I need you to do for me. I need you to be open and to be truthful and to be honest. And I need a show of hands, and I know this is not the Imago way, but I need a show of hands for those of you who are in this place where you just need to believe that he's going to do it again. I need you to keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Now look around this room. Look around this room and know that as a family that you are not alone, that you are not alone. But in this place where we're not sure, in this place where it's dark, in this place where it's not clear, in this place where it's, it's, it's turbid, when it says that when Jesus moved through the Kidron Valley to get to Calvary, that word Kidron, it literally means turbid, which is the picture word of what happens when you have a glass of water that has sand at the bottom and you shake it up. You can't see through the water because all the elements are there. And what do you have to do in order to be able to see? Still, you have to just set the water, set the glass there and let the things settle. And some of us are in this place where things are just all over the place and not settled and you can't see and you don't have any clarity and there's so many things that are happening and you can't move one way or the other because there's so much going on. And you need to just settle, to be still, as the psalmist says. Be still and know 
that I am God. Be still and know that I've, you've seen me move and I've moved the mountains and I need you to be still and know that I will do it again. That I'll do it again. And you saw the hands that were up and for those of you whose hands are not up, who just got out of something or you're on your way into something, I need you to remember that too. But I need us to stand with each other and know this because sometimes we come in and we have church and we walk in the door and we simply sit and we listen to the sermon and then we go out and then we go out unchanged. And we have our programs and we have our plans and we have our, our, our sheets and we have our call times and we have all of the things that we're supposed to do and we have our clocks and we know exactly how long we're supposed to spend doing all the things. But I'm here to tell you today that all of that stuff is not nearly as important as this stuff. Because ultimately, and at the end of the day, it is about whether or not we believe that the God who moved a mountain will move it again. So today is Global Sunday, right? Today is the Sunday that we are going to hopefully, for years to come, celebrate the, the, the word of God going forth missionally through us out into the world. And what I think is important for us to understand is that none of that happens if we don't believe that we have a God who moved the mountains and who will do it again. The God who makes a way out of no way and who will do it again. And sometimes I get in a place where I struggle, where there are times when I just give up on some of the things that I desired and some of the things that I knew he would do for me and with me and through me and in me. And I just need a reminder that that same God who did it before will do it again and that he hasn't hung up his God shoes and his God books and his God sword and his God everything. He hasn't hung it up and just let it go. And if we are just a church who just believes that God is God today and tomorrow and forever the same way he's been God yesterday, if we're just a church who simply believes that, we're in really good shape. We're in better shape than any church if we simply believe that, if we simply know that. So I want to talk about this idea of Global Sunday. Some of you know, most of you know, that I am our pastor of global missions at Imago Day. And it is one of the things that when Rick asked me to put my arms around that, my immediate answer was, okay. My second thought was, oh my gosh, this is a lot because I have missions and prayer and formation. And the Holy Spirit just simply showed me a triangle. Walking from Rick's office to my office, he just showed me a triangle and gave me peace. And I said, you're going to make this make sense to me, so I'm going to kick it. Because you are a God who has always made sense of things, and I am certain that you will do it again. So I walked in my office. I put a triangle on my whiteboard. You all know my famous whiteboards. I put a triangle on my whiteboard, and I went and sat down at my desk. And so over the next few weeks, he began to make sense of this connection between prayer and formation and mission. 
And so when we think about um, the series that we've been in, we've been in the book of Acts and we've been looking at um, Paul's journeys and we've been looking at Peter's prayers and Peter's sermons and we've been looking at this really big picture of what happens in the church and what happens when people go on mission and what happens when people by the spirit of God become outward facing. But what I want to talk to you about today, even though we are talking very um, specifically about global missions, I want you to know where global missions starts. And so I want you to see a video, first of all, before we get into what will be a very quick sermon, because I want to have some discussion today. So let's see our video. Imago Day, greetings from Lukoko community in Kenya, uh, Kakamega County, I believe. I'm, I'm hoping I can get all of that correct. Listen, we just traveled not even an eighth of a mile downhill to this protected spring, and I am overwhelmed with gratitude. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude because in America, this just isn't an issue. And so it is with great pleasure. And just I'm just grateful to be here. So they were singing and they were dancing and they were so happy that we came to check on them, to see about them. And the message today was God loves people. And so we should love people. And so thank you, Imago Day, for your contributions. Um, a young person said to me, every dollar counts. Every dollar counts so that they can get clean water any time of the day. Um, it is protecting them from diseases. Oh my goodness. The stories that we've heard. I'll talk to you some more later. When we see this video, what we realize and what we understand and what we hope that we'll be able to communicate, not just um, from this stage, but also just in your lives, is that global missions is not just going out into the world, but that it is a personal thing, that it begins in a very personal way. So when we look at our, our map of Imago Day. Our map, our map, our map. <laughs> when we look at our map of Imago Day's outreach, what we see is we have Imago Day in Portland over here. But you see where we are. We're in Kenya with the water project. We're in Rwanda with Gary Friesen and with, with Celestine, who is also there uh, training and raising up leaders. We have, we have reports from Vietnam. We have people, families in Nepal. We have a family that just left to go to Indonesia. We have another family who is actually leaving in July to go and open a brewery in Japan. And these, this is just family all over the world. But what it's important to understand is that all of that began in the heart of a person. 
And you don't know that until you see that person get there to a place like Kenya and you see Cheryl who's there and, and what is she talking about? She's talking about things that are very personal and things that are at the heart of stuff. And so what I want us to understand first and foremost is that this is beginning with a very personal thing. So as we look at Paul and the church and Peter and the rest of them as they spread the church in the book of Acts. We're taking this little break to do this global Sunday. And what I, I really appreciate about Paul is later on you'll see in Acts 9 where he has this the story of his conversion where he gets knocked off his horse on the way to Damascus. And on his way to Damascus, God says to him, I'm going to tell you exactly what you're going to do for me. I'm going to show you how you're going to be missional. But what I, I want to talk to you about today is that exact thing. And we're going to talk more about that later when we get to Acts 9. But what I want to talk about is the very personal way that Paul describes it in the book of Galatians. And so Galatians is a book that's, it's, it's, a, it's kind of an aggressive letter that Paul wrote to this collection of churches and, and, and he'd started these churches and you had this faction of people who came into these churches and wanted to actually um, suggest to the people that they needed to go back to the ways of Judaism and being treated as Jews. And so Paul has to write this very um, aggressive, strongly worded letter how many of you know that it's good when you are close enough to somebody that they can tell you stuff straight with no chaser, right? And so this is what Galatians is. It's one of those letters that's straight with no chaser. It's not, it's not sweet and lovely. As a matter of fact, when you get to the end around Galatians 6, Paul says, I'm so serious about what I'm saying to you that you see that my writing is bigger and that this is in my own hand. Like he took the pen from the person he was dictating to and said, no, I need to write this down. And he wrote it down and he basically wrote it in that day's equivalent of capital letters. Like, you know, you send a text in all caps, the way Donald Trump sends a text, all these caps, right? And so you see it, it's like yelling, right? And somebody says, don't yell at me. Well, that's what Paul did. He actually wrote very big by the time he got to the end of, of Galatians and instead of actually, you know, doing it. So what he was saying was he had to talk to them about all of this false teaching. But nestled in there, he, he begins, he takes two chapters to talk to them about his qualifications as an apostle. And nestled within this little, this little part where he's talking to them about why he has um, a right to, to speak to them as an apostle is this lovely little pair of verses. And it's in chapter 1 and it's 15 and 16. And he says, but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. And then he goes on to talk about how he went to Arabia and then he came back and then he had some discussions with Peter and James and then he went away again and then he began to teach. But his point his point is that I didn't talk to people about who God called me to be. He says that when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me. He said, I did not consult any human being. King James says, I did not consult with flesh and blood. And so the question that I 
often ask myself is, how are we that certain? How are we that sure? When we look at our own calling and our own call to be missional in this world, how, how can we be so sure about where it is we're going and what it is we're doing and why it is we're doing it and whether or not this is going to matter and whether or not even if it's a good idea, if it's a God idea, how do we, how do we know those things? Because Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. But how many of us in our lives, I know I have been uncertain about whether or not it was his voice that I heard or if it was somebody else's. How, how can we live a life that is certain when we wanna become missional and we wanna be like Paul is who says, he says his calling was to preach Jesus among the Gentiles. And he said he was set apart for that before he was born. He was set apart from that in his mother's womb in his mother's womb. And so to have the certainty that this was in fact the case, that all the circumstances of his life led up to this place, to know this and to live your life like this, how can we be this certain? How can we know that this is the way we need to go? Well, tucked in this passage is this really beautiful triangle that God showed me between prayer and formation and mission. And that's what I want to talk to you about, is that you can't understand or know mission without understanding first formation and prayer. That formation and prayer aren't understood apart from mission. That prayer is not understood apart from formation and mission. That they all go together and that you will hear me see, say this time and time and time again until one day I'm going to walk up to each of you and I'm just going to say, what do I say about those things? And you're going to be able to repeat it back to me. But this is the way we breathe in the church. Imagine when you inhale and then you exhale. You inhale oxygen. It does something in your body. You exhale carbon dioxide, right? Well, inhale is prayer. What it does is formation. The exhale is mission. It's not an opt-in or opt-out thing. It's not a thing that you get to decide about any more than you get to decide about breathing, right? There are places in your brain that tell your body that you're supposed to breathe that you have no control over. And the reason you have no control over them is because you couldn't be responsible for how important a thing that is. And that's what prayer and formation and mission are about. So when we look at global mission, I want you to think of mission as a whole as something that you don't have a choice about. It's you don't have a choice anymore than if I... I would die if I stood up here and did not breathe, right? And this is what happens to the church when we spend our time just in our churches, in prayer, and then in formation, and then we don't think about mission. It's like holding your breath. And you ever notice how you can't really talk and hold your breath for very long? Mission is how we speak into the world. And if we have no mission, then we have no voice. And so we have to understand that mission, being missional, being outward facing is not an option for us, but rather it is a necessity for our very life as the church. So what does that look like? 
when you think about prayer and formation and mission? Well, the first thing it looks like, let's take prayer first. Prayer is our presence with God, right? So what kind of life do I need to have in order to have that kind of a life, a prayerful life? I need to have a life that is interruptible. Mission seems to be one of those things that God will interrupt the way he did with Paul on his way to Damascus. And there's so many things that interrupt our lives that have to do with God and have to do with Christ and have to do with our formation. And we don't want to be interrupted, do we? Once you get on a path, once you get in a place where you understand where you are, you don't want to be interrupted, do you? And so we have to be interruptible. We have to be open to God interrupting us, to God literally rupturing our path. And if we are not open to inter being interrupted by God, how much do we miss? Because let's think about it. If you live your life in this way and you're on this path and you understand all the things in all the ways at all the times, two things happen. Number one, you get stale spiritually. But number two, if I'm the enemy, I know how to counterfeit that. And so here's the thing. If we have lives that are interruptible, lives that are open to the word of God, lives that are open to God saying, hey, 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 that's me touching your shoulder. That's me. Pay attention to me. If we have interruptible lives, we have lives that are open. Now, a lot of us think we have open lives, right? But we actually have lives that are open to negotiation right? We're not really open. We're open to negotiate, but we're not really open. And so you have this time with God where God says, yeah, I need you to turn left. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I don't know if that's God. I'm really not sure if that's the Holy Spirit. Because what I think God is really saying is this. This is why I love God, because he says, my sheep know my voice. Not my words, not this sermon, not somebody else's life. He said, my sheep, they know my voice. They know. So you know what he said. You knew it was him. And then you acted like you didn't know it. I think one of the funniest things in the world was watching baby Dean look at his grandmother before he was going to the stage. This was a while back, and I remember cracking me up because I was thinking, this is how I am with Jesus sometimes. He sees her saying, come here, come here. He knows it's her. Even when he's got his back to her, she's like, boy, come here, come here. And she's trying, she trying to whisper because she's trying to be a good church lady. Boy, come here, come here, come here. And he hears her, right? Because he, he goes like, he's walking, and he goes like this. And then he looks around like, how many people are close to me? Who can catch me right now? There's this much distance between me and them drums. She, she's slow. Cause she got on high heels. So I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. And he makes a break. He makes a break and he's got one leg up on the stair. 
He got one leg up on the stair before somebody gets to him, picks him up, and removes him. Now, how many of us are like that with Jesus? I know I am. Okay, so now what's the distance between me and that thing that I really want over there? That's how we negotiate with him, isn't it? We pretend we didn't hear him. But if you think that he didn't see you spiritually go like this, you are sadly mistaken. He, you, he saw that. He saw that thing. And so what happens when we have a life of prayer and what happens when we have a life where we practice our presence with God is that we stop doing this because we, we hear him and we learn to hear him better and we learn to hear him more. But more than that, he reminds us, I'm the God who moved mountains and I will do it again for you. I'm a God who makes a way out of no way and I will do it again for you. And then you will also remind yourself that you actually believe that. Because you get back in touch with your faith when you get in the presence of God. When you have a life of prayer and when you have a life where you practice being in his presence, you know this. And so then what does that do? That changes us. We allow ourselves to be transformed. We allow ourselves to become different. We allow ourselves to be, to be as Paul says in this, I love this. He says, he says when he, he was pleased to reveal his son in me. And that is all formation is at the end of the day. It's not changing the shape of us, but it is making Jesus more visible through us. When he chooses to reveal himself in me, he was pleased to reveal his son in me. And it just happens to look different in every single one of you, but it's the same Jesus. And so we live in this, this uh, individualized, independent pull yourself up from your bootstraps, this is all about me kind of country, right? Kind of culture, that's how we live. And so we think of formation as an end, right? I'm trying to become a mature Christian. I want to be a mature believer. Well, the truth is, is that the proof of your maturity as a believer is that you progressively become more outward facing. That you begin upward facing. And that as he moves and as he transforms and as he reveals himself in you, you become more outward facing because that's who Jesus was always outward facing, always seeing. There was something interesting that I had a conversation with um, some of the women who went to Kenya. Cheryl was one of them and Anyale and uh, Miley and some of the others. And we talked. And one of the things that was said was that when they got there, these people were so open. And they were open to loving. They were open to loving them without question, without condition, without requirement. They were simply open to loving the people in their midst. That is what they were. And so what happened in a couple of situations was they had some conversations with some of the people who were there and they were able to, to just kind of mention some things that were really deep and really um, tender in their hearts. And what I saw in that moment of conversation with them is that when we are open to loving, when we are open, when Christ is revealed in us and we are open to loving, then it is God who gives us access 
to the hearts of people and to the nations and to culture and to all of the things that are out there for us where he wants to reveal himself in and through us. When he wants to reveal himself in us, we worry about whether or not we'll have access. We gather in a high school and we're worried about whether or not we'll have a sanctuary. Well, maybe he'll give us one. That's unusual, right? It's odd. How do, does that happen? Happened over there on Ankeny. And the God who did that on Ankeny can do it again for this church. Because that's who he is. Because that's what he does. And because when we spend time with him, that's what we learn. And when we allow him to reveal himself in us, then that's what we desire. And we become these outward facing individuals. And so you not only need to be interruptible and you not only need to be transformable, but you also need to be observable. What I like in that Galatians passage with Paul is he says a little later on in verses 22, verses 22, <laughs> he says a little later, he says, he was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. He said, but they heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. What is observable about our lives is a direct result of what is transformed in our hearts. And what gets transformed in our hearts is a direct result of our presence with the Spirit of God. And that's how these three things go together. And so as we consider what it looks like to become global and to become outward facing and to become missional in our lives, it begins very personally and it begins with prayer. And it begins with knowing and becoming acquainted with the very God of the universe. So I see that it is 1124 and we are, we are moving and I'm going to try to keep you guys a little more on the clock than you would have been otherwise. But what I want to do before we, uh, before we pray is I would like to know what's stirring in some people because here's, here's the thing. I believe in a collective ear. I believe that when we hear God speak into our hearts and when we hear that, that yeah, we heard that, but there are some things that God has spoken into your heart that he wants other people to hear. And if you walk out of this door with that, then it's just you. So my question to you is, are there some things in you that are stirring in this most unorthodox service that we've had today? We say, it just so happens we did this. God says, no, it happened just so because he knew what this service was supposed to look like. So is there something stirring in somebody that you feel that God has called you to share with the rest of us? This is one of the few times I'm not gonna point because you know I'm not above that, Christopher. Well, you can take a break, I'm just, you know. So this morning we were praying, right? And one of the things that the Lord said to me about this congregation is be free. And I was thinking, well, I understand what that means for me as an individual, I think, for me to be free. But how do we all come together and all of us be free? Like, that seems like chaos to me. And what came up from the team around that question was, that it's awkward and it's 
uncomfortable and it's difficult and weird, but there's a foundation of love under it, a desire to understand, a desire to make space for weirdness and awkwardness. Freedom is simply this, that we would belong to one another. We are freest as a church when we belong to one another. I'm going to say that over and over again. When I come up here, when I preach, when I spend time with you, you're going to hear me say it all the time because it seems like an odd thing that I would be free when I belong to someone. That means that I'm beholden to that person, that I need to look out for that person, that I need to check. Yeah, that's how our bodies work. So I want us to pray. And I want us to pray not all of us, but the ones who believe this. I want you praying that God would make you more outward facing. I want you to pray that God would show you on that triangle where you need to to lean in, where you need to push in. If you're avoiding prayer, I want you to push into that. I want you to pray that God would show you how to lean into that. If you're resisting formation and you're just up for negotiation, I want you to ask God to make you more inclined to lean into that. If it's that you you have to ask God to make you more interruptible, then I want you praying for that. And if you have been interrupted and God has shown you some things that he wants you to do and to be and to, to, to give out in the world, then I want you praying that God would make you more missional and more outward facing. So I'm going to pray for this congregation, but I also want you at the same time that I'm praying, I want you praying for yourselves. And if you are none of the above, if you just are bored and you are uninterested, then that's fine and that's good. But if you are none of the above, but only because you don't know Christ, what I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need you to pray that God and Christ would come into your heart. Because what I would like to see are a number of things. I'd like to see, of course, I would love to see some of you as individuals and as families. I would love to see you going to Kenya and going to some of these other places that we're going to. I would love to see you involved in that. I would love to see you moving out globally and moving locally as, you know, as, as if on mission. I would also like to see us pray more. I would love to see us encounter God and in such a way that he becomes personal and that we have our stuff and we have our things with him. I want to see us be a church like that. I want to see us be a church that is transformed. But I want most of all for those of us who don't know Christ to simply know him and to simply invite him to be known in us and for us. And we have people here who pray all the time about those things. And if when we're done praying that you have prayed that prayer that you would like to know Christ better, I want you to do one of two things. I want you to either go to one of them or I want you to send an email to one of us. Those of us who are on staff here, who have email addresses here, raise your hands. Mike, Hakeem, Michelle, Cheryl. Ashley, so you see these hands that are up, right? 
And I think it's first names for all of us. Is it Michael at? Mike at idcpdx.com. Hakeem at. Cheryl at. MJ at. Ashley at. So you'll see those. So I want you to make a move. I want you to move because here's the thing. We're going to pray. And if you have this desire to know Christ better, it does not come from you. It comes from him when God, who called you from your mother's womb, decided to reveal himself to you. Confer not with flesh and blood. Hear that and then on mission move to tell somebody and to begin this journey. All right? So now we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for your church, Father, but this morning I thank you specifically and particularly for this collection of human beings who belong to one another. And I ask you, Lord, that you would make this a praying church, that you would make this a church of people who desire and crave and long for your presence, that you would make this a church of people who want to see you and know you and be with you. I ask, Lord God, for every person who is in this church who is praying, Lord, that they would know you better in prayer, Father. I just ask that you would give them 100-fold what they are praying for right now that they are trying to learn to reach for you, Lord God, not in order to make you theirs, but because you are theirs. And so I ask you, Lord God, to show them what it looks like to live a life that says, I am yours and you are mine. May they be one with you, Lord, the same way that you are one with the Father. And now, Lord Father, I pray that you would also be um, the God who transforms us through your spirit, that we would be changed, that we would be different than we were yesterday, that like Paul, that they would know who he used to be, but Lord, now they know who he is. And so, Father, I'm just going to ask that you would put your people on a journey, that they would be transformable, that they would be willing to be changed and eager to be changed and willing to put up with the difficulties of what it means to be changed, Father, that you would fine-tune their ears so that they would hear your voice even better, that they would be people of God who look forward to the changes that you make as you reveal yourself in them more and more and more, and that it will simply look like love, love for others, love for you, and it would look like belonging amongst them, Father. And finally, I pray, Lord God, that this would be a church of mission, that this would be a church that is outward facing, that as this church grows and as its people grow, that each one of them would begin to face outward and look outward and not continue to gaze in on themselves and that their formation would be um, not an end, but a means to an end, Lord God, that your world would know who you are because of this church, Father. I thank you for all that you are doing with this church and with living hope, Father. And I pray that you would make your will known in all of this, Father. And then finally, I pray for those men and women, Father, who don't know you yet, who hear your voice saying, come, child, come, come to me, be with me, know me, I know you, I see you. You were born in my imagination where I hid you till I bid you now come. From my desire sprang you 
fearfully, wonderfully, under my carefully, lovering the soul and covering the whole. I ignited that light in you. I delight at the sight of you, offer lift to the flight of you that the might of you would offer me your heart for mine became yours the day it bore you in my imagination. And Father, somebody hears you say that today. And I pray, Lord God, that the person and persons who hear you say that would move and they would move, Lord God, in a way that just puts them on this path that would just bring them even closer to you, Father. And as your people worship, as they worship you and as they sing to you and as they pray to you and praise to you, Father, I beg you, Lord God, that you would see us, smile at us, be pleased with us. And Father, that you would say to us, good and faithful servants, well done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at idceastside.com. Thanks for listening.